Hi, everyone. It's Matt Kaplan, host of Planetary Radio, back with another Planetary Radio Extra online-only edition. Uh, Special extended conversations this time looking at a project that is near and dear to all of us at the Planetary Society, and apparently to many of you, it's LightSail. So we have the two best people on staff to talk to about that. Bruce Betts, you know and love, the Planetary Society's Director of Science and Technology. As such, he works on all of our projects, monitors them, contributes to them, and that includes the LightSail project, which he's quite involved with. Uh, Bruce, welcome. Thank you. Joining him is Jason Davis, digital editor at the Society, who uh, we go to for uh, stuff related to human and commercial spaceflight. But Jason is also our embedded reporter, as we have uh, said in the past, in the LightSail project. So they come at this from two different angles, and it'll be great to have both of their viewpoints. Jason, welcome also to you. Hello, Matt. Good to be back. Bruce, give us just an overview, first of all, for those people who've uh, only just emerged from a cave and uh, aren't aware of LightSail or its successes so far. Uh, I have questions for the people who came out of caves, but that's a different issue. (laughs) Different show. Different show. Uh, So LightSail is a planetary society project, and it is all about solar sailing. So using the pressure of light as a spacecraft propulsion method. Light's pushing on us all the time. It's just a little tiny push, so normally we don't notice it at all. But if you put a big reflective mylar sail or something similar in orbit with a small spacecraft, then the light push actually becomes significant. And the Planetary Society flew a test mission uh, several months ago and uh, successfully deployed a solar sail and tested out the systems and learned a lot. And that was in a low Earth orbit where there was still a lot of atmospheric drag, so it was not solar sailing. But we're preparing for uh, later this year a a second flight where we will go to a higher orbit and actually try to demonstrate controlled solar sailing. So using the sun's uh, light pressure to adjust the orbit. Can you say something else, a bit more detail, about what your role is in the project, Bruce? I am the program manager for the project, so kind of oversee and do exciting things like contracts, and then oversee the project of which we have lots of people and organizations working on it, and on the engineering side and design and test. Uh, I should mention also, to envision this spacecraft, it's only about the size of a loaf of bread. It's uh, five kilograms in size. It's in what's called a CubeSat, a 3U CubeSat. So these are very commonly used for uh, Earth-orbiting missions, particularly by universities, but more and more by NASA and others. And so we're trying to develop solar sailing propulsion as a method you could use to actually, without carrying fuel, really change the orbit, use these on interplanetary trajectories and and such. So the, the light sail focus is not only about solar sailing, but solar sailing using these small spacecraft CubeSats. And Jason, before we go any further, a lot of these basics, if, if people want more detail, if they want to see great images, there's a place they can go, right? Yeah, we have a dedicated light sail website at sail.planetary.org. You can find all of the uh, the history of the project there, uh, images, videos, and uh, also our regular blog posts and uh, updates. 
Jason, as we speak, your uh, two most recent blog entries, another great place to uh, follow what's going on with the project, uh, were uh, January 26th and January 29th of, uh, of this year. We're just a few days beyond that now. I want to start with what you wrote about on the, on the 26th, and, and that had to do with, well, what I'm going to call the new and improved light sail. Is that fair? I mean, are we looking at a better spacecraft than we saw the first time around? (laughs) Well, if you ask the engineering team that question, I think you're going to get a resounding yes. Um, (laughs) They have that virtually no subsystem has gone untouched in uh, one way or another. They've really uh, overhauled uh, a lot of the software that controls all the subsystems and made a few hardware tweaks as well. But the software is is one of the things that has really um, kind of uh, underwent this complete transformation. Uh, For instance, when LightSail was in orbit and it uh, gives us these little telemetry chirps, these radio beacons that contain information about the spacecraft, uh, on the first mission we had about 80-odd lines of telemetry that told us how LightSail was doing. That's been almost tripled for this uh, second mission. So we're going to have a lot more information about what the spacecraft is doing, uh, which will come in handy if it runs into any problems, um, and the team will just have better insight into what's going on in space. Bruce, when an upgrade like this is made, it's quite a process. I mean, after all, this is rocket science. It's really pretty complicated when you want to make any kind of change to the software, isn't it? Uh, it is, and it's also risky. So remember, we're working in a, a spacecraft environment where you can't just jump out there and, and fix something in orbit, to state the obvious. And so the whole key, uh, in my mind, and, and people who work on spacecraft, is testing. So you make a change or you find a problem, whether with the first mission or in your t- <clears throat> testing, you find a problem, you, you fix it, you develop the software, and then you test as much as you can. And so that's kind of where this light sail spacecraft is in the process, is it's all built and constructed, and in the last few weeks, uh, we've begun the uh, testing process. The individual components have been tested, but now the whole system's getting various tests uh, that that I'm sure we'll talk about, because you need to ring out the problems to make sure you find them on Earth rather than in space. Yeah, that's exactly where I want to go next. Jason, you wrote about in your your January 26 blog at planetary.org, the ORT. Tell us what that was about. Yeah, ORT stands for Operational Readiness uh, Test or, or Testing. This is when the team sort of takes the flight software out for a spin and pretends that the the spacecraft is in space, they're getting data from it, and they need to perform a few key functions uh, on board the spacecraft. The way they do this, they have a clone of LightSail called BenchSat, and uh, it's kind of a deconstructed version of LightSail that uh, is mounted on this piece of acrylic. And they turn it on, and it starts chirping, just like the real light sail would chirp in orbit. And they simulate a series of ground station passes. They all get on a phone bridge. The team gets on a phone bridge. And it sounds very much like, uh, I was impressed the first time I heard this uh, during the test mission, uh, it's like you're listening into the flight loop at Mission Control Houston or something like that. Very professional and rigid. If you speak, you you identify your subsystem area and who you're talking to. Uh, so you get these lines like, uh, mission, this is flight. And uh, the person responds and says, go ahead. They watch the spacecraft fly overhead, or in this case, bench sat is just sitting there in the laboratory uh, chirping. 
they get the data down from that. In a few minutes, the, the ground passes over, and they have small teams that are assigned to each uh, subsystem of the spacecraft. So somebody's going to look at the power data that comes in, uh, somebody might look at the temperature data that comes in, and so on. Everybody reports into the mission manager and uh, tells him, in this case Dave Spencer, what they're seeing, and the pass is over, and we take it from there. And then they go on to simulate some other critical functions like deploying the solar panels and deploying the solar sail itself. What, what these, these simulations allow them to do is find out not just any problems in the flight software itself, but are there any procedural changes that need to be uh, made? For instance, I think during this test, there was a question of um, what order uh, the commands should be sent to the spacecraft to arm and then deploy the solar sail. Um, and then you know, there was some little quirk around that that they needed to correct. So it's, it's a dry run with the, uh, the new software to really uh, iron out any problems. One of the most fascinating things that you wrote about, to me anyway, you touched on there, but I want to emphasize this. This benchsat, so-called, sort of an exploded light sail spread out on the piece of acrylic, it's actually transmitting to a ground station, right? Yeah, yeah. it's, It's really neat. We see this process in the laboratory. It's the exact same process that it will use uh, that we'll use when the spacecraft is actually in space transmitting. So Cal Poly's uh, antennas are receiving this signal from BenchSat. The only difference is it's sitting in the same building versus uh, flying overhead. And they even have at Cal Poly a radio receiver tuned to that specific frequency so that when BenchSat does one of its little telemetry chirps, there's a burst of audible static in the room, um, and that tells you that the spacecraft is transmitting. So that's just kind of one of those uh, cool little things that they've done to um, add to the ambiance of uh, their mission control center that they have. Bruce, the testing is not done. We're going to get to what's coming up next. But uh, what's your assessment of, of sort of the status, what of what you've seen so far, not just the performance of... Uh, what we now know is uh, LightSail 2, that is the official name, but of this team. Very good, very professional team uh, with uh, elements from Dave Spencer at Georgia Tech as the project manager and mission manager and Ecliptic Enterprises uh, doing a lot of the integration and test and Cal Poly, Boreal Space, NX Track, all sorts of people involved. It's, it's a fairly big team for a small spacecraft, but they're very professional. The testing, you can look at two ways. We're finding problems, uh, which can be disturbing. But on the other hand, it's exactly why you're testing. And so all of the the engineers obsessively uh, note every problem. And uh, each of them is uh, being worked on and try to ferret out fixes. And in general, like with the deployment tests that have been done, the sail deployed, but there were several minor glitchy things found along the way that are being worked. So that's why we'll be doing uh, another round of uh, deployment tests after corrections are made. And so basically just keep testing, find issues, fix issues, test, find, fix. Let's talk a little bit more about this deployment test. I, I was surprised when I read that uh, the uh, actual deployment of the sails that was done on this amazing table on January 28th was the first time that had actually been done in, uh, in a lab for, for quite a while. Bottom line is things worked the way you want them. The key test, uh, the sail deployed, the booms deployed, and the boom tests, uh, they're just minor things that, that need to be worked out and, and fixed, and that process is already underway. 
Remind us of the uh, this innovative technology that actually does the work of extending the sails. We've got a uh, four booms that extend outwards. They're kind of like tape measure material, but fancier. <laughs> and uh, a custom-made motor extends those booms over the course of a couple minutes uh, out to four meters in length, each one of them. Each set of two booms extends a triangular mylar panel. And so you end up with these four triangles of mylar that are extended. And it's got various things in the software so that if there's an issue, they can retract and and start extending again and it detects issues going on. But that's the basic concept. Jason, you wrote about uh, this deployment stuff. Uh, it, it has to do, in fact, with some of the software improvements that have been made. And it also made me think of one of the most exciting moments uh, during the flight of the first light sail, light sail one. And that's when we got the word that the motors were turning, that, that the sail was actually being deployed. We saw a little counter incrementing. Yeah, it's kind of a dimensionless counter. So, it, meaning when I say dimensionless, it doesn't really correspond to uh, inches or, or a me- an actual physical measurement like that. But there's a number in the telemetry that increments as the motor spins. When they did the deployment test up at Cal Poly, we saw, as expected, that this uh, motor count started incrementing from zero. Uh, all the way up to about 134,000. That's just what we saw during the test mission uh, in space. Um, there was this moment of tension where during the ground pass where we commanded the sail to start deploying, uh, the pass was about half over and the team wasn't sure if the spacecraft had received the command to deploy the sail or not. It was about to go out of range for the day. And then uh, all of a sudden we started seeing those numbers going up and we knew that something uh, on board the spacecraft was actually happening. So it's a it's one of our favorite lines of telemetry. We want to see that number go up. It tells us good things are happening. It was a very exciting moment. Okay, what is the next big milestone, or, or I guess the science guy would have me say kilometer marker, in the, the testing, the prep of this uh, spacecraft, Light Sail 2? Well, they're going to uh, regroup, as Bruce said, all these little minor issues that came up during this first sail deployment test. They're going to regroup, address all of those, try to uh, find a resolution on all of those items. And then they'll, they'll do a, uh, an intermediate deployment test kind of to verify that they've wrung out all of those issues, uh, a boom deployment and a sail deployment. Uh, assuming that all goes well, they'll be ready to move on to what's called a day-in-the-life test. And that's where they simulate all of the key mission phases, just like we, I was describing with BenchSat, only this time they'll do it with the actual flight unit. So they will uh, command the solar panels to deploy, uh, so they'll actually uh, tie the solar panels up and verify that they've sprung away from the spacecraft, go all the way through to an actual sail deployment, um, just like they would do in the mission. So it's kind of an end-to-end test of the spacecraft. Bruce, when is that currently supposed to take place? Roughly mid to late March. So things are definitely moving along. And if the DITL goes well, uh, then what? Then um, uh, the spacecraft uh, gets packed up, Bruce? Assuming one's happy with the results from the day in the life test, then the spacecraft gets uh, packed up and shipped nominally to Georgia Tech for incorporation and integration with their spacecraft that uh, they're building called Prox-1 that light sail different than the first mission light sail in this case will actually be inside prox one and prox one will be deployed first and then light sail will be deployed from within prox one and prox one 
its things that it's trying to do is proximity operations around another spacecraft. So if all goes well, we'll get uh, nice imagery and tracking from Prox-1 that will kind of stock light sail during the, the process. So it's a, a little bit of Russian doll action here. You've got the rocket, you've got uh, Prox-1, and then light sail, which will pop out of it. And then what is this uh, Peapod technology, Jason? Uh, can you remind us about that? Poly Pico Satellite Orbital Deployer. Yeah, Easy for it. you to say. Easy for, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, the word poly in there comes from Cal Poly, uh, which uh, helped to um, standardize some of these formats for standard CubeSat sizes. One of these Peapod deployers are essentially just a little shoebox that's just slightly bigger than a three-unit CubeSat, which LightSail is, and it has a coiled spring. Uh, so LightSail kind of fits into this uh, Peapod on top of the spring, the door kind of closes on it to hold it in place. At the uh, right moment in orbit, that little door just springs open and the spring just pushes the uh, light sail out into space. And so that whole Peapod unit will be mounted inside the uh, Prox-1 spacecraft. Bruce, this will all happen, we hope, but it's all got to get up into orbit first. Uh, how's that going to happen? Prox-1 with light sail inside. Inside a rocket, the rocket will be a, a SpaceX Falcon Heavy. And this will be the second flight of the Falcon Heavy. And uh, it will launch along with the main payload and a bunch of other small satellites that will be spewed out on orbit. What's the current outlook for that launch? Well, right now it's officially scheduled for September of this year, 2016. But because of various delays in the rocket process, it's quite possible that will slip. But everything we're doing is driving towards a, a September launch. So uh, we'll be ready no matter what. We will be ready. <laughs> Jason, give us an idea of what will be going on back down here on the ground, just sort of the coverage that, that will allow people to participate in the, the flight of LightSail 2. We would really like to do what we did last year uh, and improve upon it. Uh, so we'll have uh, regular blog coverage, and we'll also be encouraging amateur radio operators to tune in to the spacecraft signal uh, and capture packets and submit them to us. We're working on that aspect of it now. Cal Poly is working on some software packages that might streamline that process, so stay tuned for that. We also hope this time around to have our dashboard up and running that uh, shows some real-time telemetry from the spacecraft on our website. So you'd be able to log in and see at any given point uh, the last time we heard from LightSail what all of its sensors were up to. In case one is interested in what the uh, temperature on a random uh, solar panel in the middle of uh, low Earth orbit is reading. And remind us once again of where people will be able to find that dashboard and even before launch where they can go right now to uh, keep track of what's going on with the mission. Sure, it's sail.planetary.org. And we'll be following uh, LightSail all the way through these uh, upcoming tests. We'll be live on site for the uh, Day in the Life test and for uh, integration at Georgia Tech into Prox-1. So we'll have all the coverage there. Bruce, what will you be up to during that uh, Day in the Life test and then later during the, uh, the actual flight? I will be at the Day in the Life test uh, up at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And then during the flight, I planned on being uh, somewhere in the South Pacific on a beach uh, <laughs> sipping juices. <laughs> no, but, I'll, 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 I'll actually plan to pay attention to the mission. Wringing your hands, no doubt. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I will be ready for uh, the celebration. I better knock on wood before I talk about that. Uh, of the sort that we had after uh, the flight of Light Sail 1. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, great talking to you. And uh, maybe we can do this again, either, dur- well, maybe not during, but uh, after that day in the life test, which is now uh, maybe just a month and a half or so away. Thank you, Sounds Matt. good. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce Betts is the Planetary Society's Director of Science and Technology, so LightSail is just one of the many projects that he monitors and contributes to, in this case as the program manager. All this happens when he's not creating random space fact videos or teaching his online astronomy course or goofing around with me in Planetary (laughs) Radio's What's Up segment. Jason Davis is a digital editor at the Planetary Society in addition to his work as our embedded reporter. In the LightSail Project, he's our go-to guy for news about human and commercial spaceflight. He had a distinguished and busy career doing print and online aerospace and astronomy journalism before we grabbed him for our staff. Someday soon, you really ought to check out his terrific documentary, Desert Moon, narrated by astronaut Mark Kelly. And I'm Matt Kaplan, the host of Planetary Radio. Hope you will uh, join us on a weekly basis uh, for our uh, recap of what's going on around the solar system and beyond. We'll be back with another Planetary Radio Extra before long as well, probably talking about the NASA budget proposed for 2017 with our uh, Director of Space Policy, Casey Dreyer. Thanks for listening.